Welcome to episode 78. We are excited to be talking with Linda Chavers today. Linda is a lecturer in the Department of African and African American Studies at Harvard. She completed her PhD in African American Studies with a focus on literature in 2013 from Harvard University. She also writes. She writes essays and memoirs for various publications such as Gawker, Dame, Elle, The Offing, and Rumpus. And Linda is also a fellow MSer. Um, Don and I are really impressed with Linda, and um, we hope you enjoy the episode. Yes, enjoy. Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. And please subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash podcast. And if you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us through our Patreon. Patrons gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, myelin and melanin merchandise, and more. We'd like to shout out our music producer, Shah Severe, for our podcast music over the past three seasons. Today we have Linda Chavers on the podcast, and we would love to welcome you. Welcome, Linda. Yes, you. Hi. Can you tell us a little bit about your MS story? Yeah. So my, yeah, my MS story, because now I, I will have had this 14 years uh, come December. Um, so my life these days with MS is, is, is okay, is, is fine. Um, but so I was, I was diagnosed when I was 24. Um, I would say in March of, goodness gracious, March of 2006, I noticed so the, the body fascinates me so much because I noticed that when I would be typing, right, um, I would be typing and my left hand would claw up and start using, I would be using my knuckles to type instead of my fingers, mm-hmm. like my digits. And yeah, I just found that strange. And then I would sometimes have a hard time buttoning my shirt or holding bags because my left, again, my left fingers weren't like flexing entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just little things like that. And it wasn't consistent. It was random. Um, of course, in hindsight, it makes sense. It started happening in March when it was getting warmer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd already gotten into to grad school. And um, and this is, you know, pre-Obamacare. So while I'd always been a well person and never had any serious health issues, I mm-hmm. knew I knew I couldn't just go to the ER and say, sometimes my hand feels weird. Like, that's right, not, right. What, what is that going to do? So... Um, I didn't really do anything about it. Uh, but of course, by, by September, when I had moved to Cambridge and everything, the symptoms had become worse just because mm-hmm. they were kind of on, on a more recurring basis. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and again, I'd never had any health issues growing up or even as a, as an adult in my twenties before this. So mm-hmm. I casually mentioned it to the, my physician, um, 
that I started seeing. And uh, she sent me to a hand surgeon. Um, the hands because I because I was explaining all this yeah. stuff fingers. So she sent me to a hand surgeon for him to see what was going on. Um, hand saw the hand surgeon, and again I was on an HMO, so everything mm -hmm. had to be by referral. So she has referred right. the hand right. surgeon. Get the appointment with the hand surgeon. I go see the hand surgeon. Hand surgeon takes an X-ray, looks at my hand, says I see nothing but maybe a slight injury you had when you were maybe a baby that healed. Mm. So um, so he sends me back to the physician. Uh, saying nothing to see here. Um, physician sends me to a psychiatrist. Oh God! Oh, you no, know, I already was seeing a psychiatrist. I was already right. in therapy, so right. Sends me to a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist is like, I already see you for something else. I don't need to see. You. Right, right. <laughs> um, and go back to the physician. And again, so I'm going back and forth, back and yes. forth. Yes. So it's not until October. Um, not until November. So September, October, November, right before Thanksgiving, she refers me to a physical therapist. And that's the, and that, so it went from nothing, 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 back and right. forth, feeling, feeling crazy, to being sent to a physical therapist, still thinking this is ridiculous. You know, why do I need to see a physical therapist? But right. Fortunately, fortunately, the physical therapist was the first person who listened to me. Mm. Like I ended up talking more than anything else. And mm -hmm. she was the one who took my hands in hers and said, you don't need physical therapy. You need an MRI. Wow. And so she was like, you need to see a neurologist. You need to get an MRI. And, you know, I it didn't even, I had no right. idea what any of that was. Um, right. But I, I later on when I was diagnosed and in treatment, all that stuff, I wrote her a card thanking her. Because yes. Just because I think we need to do that because it's so rare unfortunately mm -hmm. or it can be um for to receive like really a holistic medical attention that way yes and um so i saw the got a referral um saw the neurologist and um that was traumatic it was it was harrowing for me because i went to a teaching hospital and again not knowing what my options were i didn't know you can refuse to have a student present mm. And I think, well, if I had, I wonder if the neurologist um, would have been kinder, maybe not, but I basically felt like a horse on the auction block. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, he was doing all of the things that now I know you guys are familiar with, the face thing, the toe, uh -huh. thing, the nose thing, the, the arm thing, the knee thing, all that stuff. Uh -huh. I didn't know what the hell that was. Right. And yeah. he's doing it. He's, he's, he's doing that with me and talking to the student. Oh, so I'm like, I have, and again, just, yeah, just nothing really to me. And then finally at the end says, okay, I'm going to order you an MRI. So again, I have no, I said, I think what, I think the first thing I said was how much does that cost? Because yeah. I have no idea what any of this was. And yes. he explained to me that my insurance would cover it, but I still did not know. And by then I'd been there a couple of hours. I was really frustrated. So he, um, I know that when I was getting dressed, I'd heard him tell the front desk person to like send an order to the MRI people. Um, and I heard her type something and I heard a printer go off. So when I left, I swiped what was from the printer and ran out the door. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. Because I had 
Otherwise I wouldn't have known. I was like, why yes. am I making MRI? For what? I yep. don't understand. And that's when I saw the word um, possible demyelination. Oh, and God. again, oh, yeah. so it just sent me down a rabbit hole. Yes. So by the time I got the MRI, I knew that I knew what demyelination meant and what it could possibly mean. Um, and that was that. Uh, and then once I got the, um, the MRI, it was pretty standard from there. Um, uh-huh. I had, I had a different, so I had, what is it called when you're the intern? Is that what it is? The, they've graduated, but now they're doing a residency. Is that it? Oh, like an, yeah, yeah. resident. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Resident. So, so with the MRI, I had a resident neurologist and he, it's bad. I'm just going to blame MS. I don't remember his full name, but he, he, I think I was probably his first MS diagnosis. He uh. was so nervous and stuttery and painful. Oh, I bet. And so I, I certainly, I was not dissatisfied or annoyed. It was just, he amused me because yeah, right. Like, I'm the one who has to receive this information. So why do you keep stuttering? Just like, right, right. <laughs> uh, but he was very, I'd given permission to talk to me over the phone. So he called me about every single step. Um, explained everything to me because, you know, MRI is not automatically MS diagnosis, but right, right. once I got the lesions, he would call and explain what it could mean. And he would say, we just have to do more tests. And um, I remember going in for multiple blood tests and um, just doing that. And then I went in for the lumbar puncture. Ooh. Oh, of course. Gosh. One of my good friends went with me and I we we were good friends before all of this um we were been good friends since college and he happened to be in grad school as well um when i was there at harvard and so i needed a ride for the and they said you couldn't leave you had to have somebody with you for the lumbar puncture and um to the resident's credit i think he deliberately didn't describe this to me because he didn't want me to freak out exactly so yeah yeah <laughs> Because when I went, I was just like, I don't understand why I have to have somebody else with, because I've been doing everything by myself. Right. To this point. Yes. Yes. Yeah, my friends and family knew what was going on, but not to so much detail. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't understand why I needed to get a ride or have somebody with me. So Donald, that's my friend, we go. And, and I re- all I remember is Donald kept making me laugh. Because um, I couldn't, you know, you can't see it. And mm-hmm. Donald kept making me laugh. Uh, I guess to distract me, but at one point the resident said, "Please stop that." <laughs> because oh yeah, because you gotta be still. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and I knew that. Like we, he had said, "Be still." And I was trying, and I was being still. Right, because, right. I think Donald he would tell he could tell when I was getting anxious, so then he would say mm-hmm. do or say something, and I would laugh. And the resident just said, "Please don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and and then however long I think that was a week the resident called me and just said, it's MS. And um, I think I was in shock and denial for Mm -hmm. some time. Um, And I think some of that was also from him. And that's not in a criticism, like a critical Mm -hmm. way. It was just that he he said it's MS and we had already talked about the possibility of that. And so then Mm -hmm. he just just went right into, um, you know, um, a nurse is gonna come and show me how to do the injections that he said, I'm right. 
he said I was going to be started on Avanex, that a nurse was going to show me how to do injections, that I was going to get um, solumedrol infusion for three days to mm -hmm. kind of get me to a certain base level. Um, and that was that. And when he called, I was, it was um, last week of classes in graduate school, we were giving presentations. And so when he called, I was in class um, about to give a presentation. He called, I took the call outside of class and I went back to class and gave my presentation. And um, wow. I wrote all of my papers in the hospital. And uh, I really, yeah, I just, I think I was not, I did not really fully, fully come to my diagnosis probably for another year, you know, mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean I didn't talk about it, obviously, right. I treatments, but I was, I did not really conceptualize it. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely was a year because, and here's where I guess I would say the journey stops for me is that I you know, once I was diagnosed and I was doing my research on it and I saw that Howard Weiner, it's a brilliant, brilliant uh, um, neurologist who, if there is a cure ever found, he will certainly be one of those people to help with it. Mm -hmm. And he, he wrote a book called um, The MS Cure, I think. Um, he's written, because he's written so many uh, books. And I, when I read that book and then I saw, oh, he's down the street at Harvard Medical School. Maybe I'll give him an email because I, at this point, I didn't have like a, a, a permanent neurologist. I was still seeing the, the resident and he was right. saying, you know, you need to see a specialist now and so on and so forth. Um, so I reached out to Dr. Weiner and as I'm sure you both know, when you need to see a specialist, there's what, three, six month, eight month uh, wait to mm -hmm. see the specialist. So um, I was dealing with that. But I'd done enough research to know, to know that the, African, the research on African-Americans with MS was still lacking. Mm -hmm. So when I emailed Dr. Weiner, one of the things I said was, I'm an African-American, blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. I got an email in two hours. Mm. Wow. Saying, call my, because I knew, I could tell. I was like, if he's doing this research and I said I'm right. diagnosed and I'm black, and I'm 24, he's, he's going to write back. And he did. And I got an appointment that same week. Wow. Because um, I, I knew. And so he became my doctor that same month that I was diagnosed, so a month or two within those two months. And he was fantastic. He is a fantastic doctor, but he, he's not a practitioner. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that that distinction mattered until I would go and I would see him. But every time I left, I felt like worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's not a criticism of him. I just, he's a, he's a researcher. Like he's yes. done so many studies. That's where his mind's at. And we need that. Absolutely. We, absolutely, we need someone like that doing the work um, to see all of the intricacies of this illness. Mm -hmm. um, but it meant he wasn't really dealing with people <laughs> yes. or patients, not with newly diagnosed patients. So um, I, I found my current neurologist, I was on some listserv, like a patient listserv, mm -hmm. and I made an appointment with her for a consult. And one of the first things she said was, you know, you're, you're under the care of like one of the best out there. You know, why are you here to see me? Mm -hmm. And I'd mentioned that she came recommended and 
she said, okay, but is there something wrong with your current doctor? And I said, well, every time I leave, I just feel angry. Mm-hmm. And, and she's a white woman, uh, just, just mm-hmm. mentioning that. And mm-hmm. she says, well, that's because you are. Oh, my <laughs> <See>? God. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. Uh, it's like, right? I was like, came from my gut. <laughs> right? Right. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I, I didn't expect to be read during my um, um, right? assault, ma'am. And she just said, and she kept going. She said, you will probably, you know, unless there's a cure found by said colleague that we were just talking about, uh, you know, you will probably have a mess the rest of your life. That's a fact. Your being angry is a choice, not a fact. So you don't have to be angry the rest of your life. And I was like, you are my new doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're it. You're, you're it. Cause it was, I needed that. I needed someone. Cause I think that's what was part of the denial. I needed someone to make it real plain and hold me accountable while also affirming my, my reality, which is this is what's yes. going on, but this is where you have agency. This is where you don't, mm-hmm. here's where you do. And you can choose this route or not. And it just really spoke. Probably clicked. Yeah. yeah. And so she, um, she's been my neurologist ever since. Actually, she's retiring this year, which breaks my heart, but she absolutely deserves to. And, right. And I'm, I'm under the care of uh, another colleague of hers. But for wow. a 24-year-old newly diagnosed person, I needed someone to say, you're, you need to, you're conflating a lot of things. Right. And yeah. it, it was, yeah. So that, that's where I would say that part of my MS journey ended and it just mm. became how to live with it. Right. So I think I was still trying to treat it as if it was some sort of um, nuisance. Yes. Before Probably that. not like, kind of like a secondary thing. Like, oh yeah, exactly. at MS. Like that's exactly. not, yeah. Right. I get it. And it was, but yeah. it was doing all these things and I would be angry. I mean, it's... Right. I would get very angry. You need that. That's why I had that outburst. I'm like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Because yeah. everything was real pleasant, la di da. She was asking questions. And then, and then she just said, well, that's because you are. And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you. <sighs> wow. That's, yeah. I mean, you needed that, like, human connection to the disease because the research doctor as fantastic as he is was coming from a whole different like framework exactly right yeah and and i'm glad i'm very happy that i could see him and also be one of the the you know willing participants to he does this you know blood study um it's like a multiple decade study of people with MS, their blood work, all that stuff. I'm happy. Oh, wow. I'm happy to have been a part of that. Um, but I'm so much, I, I just, I needed, I needed someone like well, her and her name's Ellen Lafie, by the way, she's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic woman, um, deserves all the praise and awards in the world. Uh, but she's definitely a practitioner. Right. Yeah. And sees the whole person, sees mm-hmm. you as a person. Mm-hmm. I want to shout out whoever your physical therapist was. I think so often, who had like yes. kind of like recognized that 
you know, this is probably something else. I think that so often, um, you know, second, the secondary kind of like complementary people in our medical teams, yeah. we don't really give that, like, they are so crucial. We really are. They really they are. Help, they help, they help the journey. They help the path towards whether it's a diagnosis or a new treatment, you know, they help you in that, that pathway and they make mm-hmm. it so much better. Yes. Absolutely. So um, I'm going to assume that you're not on Avanex anymore. No, no. Okay. I'm not. I'm not um, I, so yeah, I was on interferons for, mm-hmm. I would say, a good four to five years okay. after my diagnosis. And then um, I, I guess I had what was called a, a definitely a relapse. I had more symptoms. I was getting really uh, more symptomatic. And mm-hmm. I think that there was a, another lesion. Mm-hmm that was found. So then I was started on, um, Tysabri, which I've been on seven years now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're tolerating that. Well, Oh yeah. I oh, swear, good. swear by it. Um, it's, I mean, I'm doing better on this than I was on the interferons. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, the, I forget what the generic, the brand, it's the brand name is Tysabri. It's a natalizumab. Yeah. 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 Right. And so, and, and people on Tysabri, lo- like me, love it, swear by it, think it's fantastic. It just has this one possibly lethal, terrible side effect. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a brain cancer. Um, I think the acronym is PML. PML. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. You know, like I, it's, what are you going to do? Yeah. It, it's, I love the drug. Well, they do the um, JC virus test. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's what that's what can like it's, it's something about the blood brain barrier. Yeah, virus. I think fifty percent of the global population has the virus. It's right, that right. This drug makes it come alive and yeah, what have you. So, and and I that's why my neurologist took me off because after I think it was the third blood test that mm-hmm. they saw. Okay, you are. I can't remember how many points away from exactly because it's not a spectrum. Yeah, the JC. Yeah. Right, exactly. I yeah, was. So then, yeah. yeah, I was on um, Tysabri. I don't know. I think maybe a total of a year, and I was JC positive when I started, but it was very low. Yeah, and then it, yeah, and then it started to increase, and so yeah, they took me off of it. But anyway, yeah, when I first started, I was positive, but again, it was so so low. Right. And again, it was that spectrum thing was so, so low and I've been negative ever since. Um, mm. And there's been signs of remyelination. Fantastic. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, wow. You know, I had some remyelination going on. So. Fantastic. That is just, yeah. that just make me smile. Exactly. I, I, I yes. swear by yep. it. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing your story, Linda. It is so interesting you know listening to everyone's stories because everyone's stories are just so different just like ms's and it's just enlightening to hear um people's journeys they're all going to be different yeah i i had to i had to hold on and cringe just a bit when you talked about the lumbar puncture yes (laughs) stories about that yes i know i know quite traumatic yes i i'm really grateful that i never 
I mean, this is as to the to I think equal the residents and my friends' credit. Like even going into the room, they didn't let me see it. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I knew what it was, and obviously I'd gone on Google or whatever, so right, I, right. I knew what it was. But I think it was helpful that I just didn't see any of the. I heard it. I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just called up in a ball and uh, either had my eyes closed, listening mm-hmm. to my friend, or sometimes open and. He, he would make me chuckle and then the doctor would tell him to stop. He'd yell at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, I need to ask you, how are you doing? And I say, how are you doing? Not MS related, but how are you doing amid everything that is going on yeah. um, today? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that's the first time I've said that to someone who asked me that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm just... Yeah. I was talking to a, a good friend um, about all of this and she was saying how she wondered what 2021 would look like. And I, I guess I surprised her cause I said, I, I, I'm going week to week. Like I can't mm-hmm. even, I, I can't even picture August, even though yep. I work at a university. So obviously the fall and next year is all people talk about, but mm-hmm. I can't, I feel like I'm going day to day, week to week. And um, it's just difficult because like we were saying earlier, we've been here before when it comes Mm -hmm. to these conversations with um, white people who Mm want to talk about it. We've been there Mm -hmm. and it has not worked out well in the long run. It feels encouraging and you almost feel inspired, Mm -hmm. but same old, same old is what happens. So I, so I'm in this kind of state of, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I'm not, I'm literally just going through it, but yeah, I'm just, I'm in this state of just showing up. Yep. Being, um, not, and not letting myself be hopeful because I just, I can't, Mm. um, right. Do you guys know the onion? Remember the onion? Well, it still exists, but it used to be an actual physical paper. Oh yeah, the satirical yes. paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when and I've been looking for the image. I can't find it. When when Obama was elected, um, the first time there were so many funny things from the onion, and one of them was, it was one of them was a picture of white people and black people on a bus, and all the white people are smiling and waving at the black people, and the black people are looking like what what going on what's wrong with y'all uh-huh. the headline was something like black people suspicious of all the white people being nice to them <laughs> oh, right right yeah. and that's right. how it feels right now where i'm just yeah. like right mm, okay mm, all right just, just okay yeah uh I, you know i appreciate it not really though like i we it's, it's just weird. It's, it's a weird space. It's a definitely. weird space. It's just a weird yeah. space because you also don't want to, you don't want to, you, you want things to improve. So yes. right. you, you want to have some hope. It's like an abusive relationship. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's, Cause it's like, we, we've been here before. We actually know mm-hmm. the best ways to survive better than anyone else, you know, outside uh-huh. of this. We do, because we've been surviving for 400 years. Um, we, we can't just be out because we're invested in two. <laughs> and, uh-huh. um, 
And every time they come around apologizing and saying they'll do better, we have to say, okay. Yeah. And it's, it's mm-hmm. like, and that's not to trivialize domestic violence. I'm just saying it just mm-hmm. resonates some of the language. Yes. Because in order for us to be well, we do have to, we do have to keep agreeing that, okay, maybe this time will be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely terrible it does and i like that you said that you're trying not to be hopeful mm-hmm. like it's such a tricky game that we are playing um yeah because sometimes so and don and i talked about this um i think last year don not in relation to um, society, but just in general, like sometimes specifically as it relates to MS, sometimes like it's dangerous to be too hopeful. Exactly. You know you're going to be let down. Exactly. And I, I hope this time is different. I do. Right. And I, I like that you said, I don't know, because mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine, a white friend of mine who is an ally, I would say, she asked me, how are you feeling? And I couldn't answer that Mm-mm. because I don't think that she would have understood if mm-hmm. I would even try to explain. And so I am just staying in this lane of, I don't know. Yeah. That's the only answer I have for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And also it depends on where, what relationship you have with that white person, you know, like for some for some white people that have reached out to me, um, first of all, they're all that I, I work with. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. I, I have close white friends from high school. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, they don't reach out this, that way. And that's not a disparagement of saying they, mm-hmm. that's not how they check in. And right. Because they don't need right. to. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But my, so the white folks who have checked in with me that I work with, it really depends on how I already know them. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I know for some, not all, but for some, I bristle at the checking in because this is more about them than me. This is more about mm-hmm. you feel something, you feel some kind of guilt, which then enrages me right. because that tells me you've known this all along. Yep. And it's just reached a point and that's why you're reaching out. Because why else would you feel guilty? You wouldn't feel yes. guilty if this was right. isolated. Like, this, white people do bad shit all day every day to black people and you haven't said anything so there's some reason that you're reaching out because you have suspected the same thing all along listen yes yes that's what what bothers me i'm so happy that you brought this up because it goes right into what i was going to talk about or ask you we wanted to mention earlier this month or recent recently you published a work, uh, an article in the Boston Globe, which we found absolutely remarkable, phenomenal. Yes. I think I read it like five, six times. Yeah. <laughs> it was so uh, good. It's so, so good. And the title of the article is What Too Many Ugh, What Too Many White People Still Don't Understand About Racism. Please correct me if I got no, the, that, that, that wrong. Was, okay. That was exactly right. <laughs> um, and like I said, it, it was just so impactful, so important, and really perfectly stated. Thank so you. would you mind sharing 
a little bit about the article and like expanding on what you were just talking about. Yeah, no, um, I, it's, it's, we still have, so, so the story with the whole thing about our collective brand of black history is, you know, slavery, Lincoln, Martin Luther King, um, maybe sprinkle some Rosa Parks in there, Martin Luther King mm -hmm. and, and, and then President Obama. And I mean, that's evidenced just by the fact that when he was elected, then there was a whole post-racial foolishness. Uh-huh. And, and I remember, so actually the student is who said that first, and I regret, I should have credited her, because um, it was, I was teaching at a, at a different university than now, and we were reading W.B. Du Bois's Souls of Black Folk, and the students, white and black, all of them, I, I had to, it was a very diverse class and they seemed to be, whenever we would discuss the, the chapters, there seemed to be a struggle for them to kind of enter into it, to understand mm. how Du Bois could be talking about lynching period. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think even one student said, you know, this is written in the 19 teens. Why is he talking about lynching? And I said, oh, you don't, you don't know and, right, right. <laughs> and, and no they didn't and mm -hmm. and this uh young white girl from i remember she was from kentucky and so when i i gave a whole class just on lynching in the united states um and how the, it peaked after slavery it peaked after mm -hmm. emancipation it mm -hmm. peaked at the turn of the 20th mm -hmm. century um I, you know it was arguably one of our first modern um modern instances of domestic terrorism. Okay? Mm, yes. And so I'm explaining this and explaining that's where Du Bois is writing from. So he's coming from a very morose, grieving area when he's discussing black people and or, or the black, you know, the state of being black in America. And this girl shaking her head and, and looking real angry. So I said, are you okay? And she said, I just always knew they were lying to us. They always said it was slaves, Lincoln, so Martin Luther King, Obama. And she was a statistician, mm -hmm. like that was her major. And so she was like, that mathematically mm -hmm. makes no sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's like her. the Black Trilogy. You exactly. know what I mean? The Black yeah. Trilogy is yeah. Abe Lincoln, uh, you know, uh, Martin Luther King and Obama. Those are the right. father, son. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah. It, it was really like not to be patronizing. It was just so cute because she was just like, that's mathematically doesn't make any sense. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> there has to be more, there has to be right. more historical periods than we were taught. And she was like, that's what we were taught in middle school. That's what we were taught in high school. Yep. And I said, yeah, well, that is incorrect. And it's, yeah. it's especially worse globally because yes. I've had enough right. international students. Um, I've had enough, especially just in my exposure with international students, most of them are usually um, from China. They all say the same thing. Like, Slavery, that was it, that's it. Mm -hmm. And that is how we export it though. So I don't, I'm, I'm like, I don't blame you for having that knowledge. Um, yeah. And it's, it's always, that's where I, I do get hopeful though, is because whenever students realize it, they don't get defensive. They get mm -hmm. angry and thirsty. Like, yes. oh. right. I, cause, cause I think they, that in that age range, they understand well, I can't really have any, 
there's no way I'm going to have an understanding because I don't, my, my knowledge is lacking. Yes. Um, I don't know the whole story. I don't know the whole story. I want to know the whole story and then I'll have my conclusion. And right. then when they do, they may not all have the same conclusion, but they're all have the same knowledge. Yes. And so they may not agree on how to go forward, but they all like, the only time I've had refreshing conversations about racism with white people are with college students because they do not deny what I wrote about it in that article. They do not deny right. the historical fact of black people being terrorized, mm -hmm. not only in slavery as they were taught, but for the rest of our time in this country. Mm -hmm. All I do is show them the facts. All I do is show them the facts. And yeah, and they'll come back and say, yeah, I talked to my parents and they didn't know this or they didn't know that. And how come we were, so mm -hmm. that's the only time where I let myself get fully hopeful. Um, and so that's why I, the article was just about the racism. I, I think because of that way that we lie, not even right. just, just outright lie about what our collective history is in this country. Um, the idea of racist is still the stupid Klansman. Yep. Yeah. You know, or like, like Strom Thurmond. And it's like, no, they, they are just a polarity yes. of a very long thread, a very long yes. spectrum. And you are in that spectrum when you don't bother to distinguish between one black person and the other black person in the office. You are yep. in that spectrum when you vote for Obama but threaten to call the police and, and lie. Listen, you are, you yes. are the same, you are the same person as the Klansman burning a cross and lynching someone. Cause you know what will happen when you call yep. the police yes. and lie. Absolutely. You also know, yes. right. And you, cause you also know our first police force were militia groups to catch and round up black people. Yes. 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 So Slave patrol. Yes. Right. So, so, so these white people, they vote for Obama or, you know, quote Martin Luther King to death, even though he was assassinated. Mm -hmm. um, well, they, they're still, you're just as bad. You're just as bad. And yes. I, just, I needed to write that and get that out there to say, like, stop, stop being confused. Just sit down and listen to And stuff. listen. Yeah. And listen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So Don and I have been having um, some conversations and we're, um, we have a bonus series and ironically, we're calling it Black Lives Matter and we're having conversations with some of our white allies and really giving them and not centering them because that's, and, and white people need to understand that, that centering yourself is the worst possible thing that you can do in this situation. But ha having them talk to their people. Right. Because the reality is that we know, and just from experience, you know, Black people's voices, especially Black women's voices, don't mean shit, really, mm -hmm. when it comes to telling white people anything. So you know what? Round up and talk to your people and right. tell them what is going on. And tell them you be the person who's going to, uh, you know, Tell them that, you know, to basically, and this sounds so bad, but it's true. Sometimes leave us alone. Leave us alone. Like mm -hmm. I, if you text me and all it is, is a receipt 
for your donation. I'll take that text. Okay. Like I don't, I don't, I don't need you to affirm my feelings because we've already made spaces to do that for ourselves for hundreds of years. It's sort of like I was asked in this interview, what do Black Americans need to do right now? And I said, absolutely, not a goddamn thing. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. We don't need to do anything. This is white people's problem. Yes. And we, especially Black women, have been telling y'all that it's a white people's problem. And now it's just reached a tipping point. So y'all fix it. Because we have- Yes. Y'all fix it. Let exactly. Us my thing is, we black people collectively, we're going to be fine. Doesn't mean we still won't be brutalized and killed. Right. But what I mean is, we're good. We got this. We we know what to do. We've been here before. Um, y'all, y'all fucked up. Y'all fix it. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Period. You know, we said that we said black women again in particular. We didn't have a bunch of love for Hillary. It's that we knew what Donald Trump was. We knew what that meant. Yes. We always knew what that meant. Yes. We've been a police state for years and we knew with him, oh, it's going to be more of the same. Mm -hmm. And we always, we always said, he'll come for you next. We've mm -hmm. always said that, that black people were the canary in the coal mine, but y'all are next. Yeah. And now you're seeing it. Okay. Well, y'all fix it. Uh, uh, yeah. That's just it. Really? That's just it. And yeah, and like I said, you know, white people, like I get, fr I don't ever want to be your, um, your black history moment teacher. Like, first of all, you know what I'm saying? Because one thing that people need to understand is that black people are not a monolith, first of all. Right, we're, we're all not different. black one time, a one month in the year. We're not. Yes, right. yeah. Exactly. But it's like, do the work. And, and that, I guess that's the bottom line. And that's, and again, I'm, I'm uh, hesitant to use the word hopeful, but I am seeing white people starting to do the work. Yes. And my fear is that it's going to end. Yeah, my, that's, I agree with you. I, I see more white people doing the work and like on a policy level, mm -hmm. um, which that's what we've been saying. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I don't need a holiday or a song or a hashtag. I need you to right. be writing and make it a practice. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, so that does give, give me hope. And yeah, I also, my fear is that it's a flash in the pan. Yeah. Um, so when I have been asked explicitly by white people, be they students or colleagues, what I say is, uh -huh. it's not about the the what so much as how long. Yes. Because, you know, I've seen some things about, I don't know what to do, there's all these things, and if I'm not doing anything, I'm like, as, whatever you do, it's that you need to still be doing it in October. Keep doing it. Ex you need to be doing it then. Exactly. If you, if that's the thing, and I, and I hope that is helpful, because um, that's, it, it's not, I mean, all the, the movements that especially white liberals like to, to cite mm -hmm. did not happen as a flash in the pan. They were coordinated. They were mm -hmm. consistent. They were planned for years. Yep. The Montgomery bus boycott. That was months, years in the planning. There were a lot mm -hmm. of false starts. Mm -hmm. It was all around the country. And that's what I'm noticing with 
how this started, of course, this started as more of a reaction. Mm -hmm. But every time I still see a protest happening and the protests that are happening in these like all white towns, mm -hmm. that's the part that gives me hope because it's yes. June and there doesn't seem to be a stop to this and they do seem to be more coordinated now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this just, you know, when it's not hot outside, right doing this that's exactly right yeah 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 i i am a bit hopeful i was driving in a rural area uh just yesterday mm -hmm. and it's trump country trump pence signs everywhere and they seem to have been taken not all of them taken down but i don't see them as much mm -hmm. and i saw black lives matter signs and i was like oh my yeah. gosh this is like this is unreal. Where am I? So right. yeah, that is a that is a big moment. deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I had those moments, and it makes me go back to that onion picture where I'm like, "What? What's happening? Should I?" Right, like right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I you know not to to derail the conversation. I'm just gonna say one thing. Somebody putting a Black Lives Matter sign, especially in a rural Trump country space, that's a big deal. Because you know yes. what, I'm telling all of y'all where I stand. And it may seem so trivial, that, that, that's a thing. So yeah. bravo to those folks. That's what, right. That's what I'm saying, where those are examples where, where I do think, oh, they are talking to their cousins. Because mm -hmm. it's their neighbors and whoever, it's not, we, Black folk, we may see it if we're passing through. Right. But if you're doing it in your all-white area. Yep. Then it's the all white folks that are going to be talking about it. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So that's Absolutely. what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Something is something's happening. happening. Something's yeah. happening. Um, and that's a, you know, I agree with others that say it's a perfect storm where we had the pandemic, which was going to highlight long standing um, socioeconomic and racial disparities. And, and then, you know, ongoing police brutality, which never stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we have it's hot outside and just basically i mean I, I, I hate to simplify it that way but anything and everything becomes more dramatic when it's hot outside it just does yes yeah so then it's hot outside and people who are now working from home are paying more attention because they ain't got any, anything else to do right right, right. yeah and that's whether they're employed yeah. or not employed you're just you're at home or you're at you're somewhere right. Right. you can't go anywhere and I guess people paid attention. I don't know. So it's, it is definitely interesting. And, yep. uh, Which is why I am enjoying our chat series because the people, the white women that we are talking to just seem to be listening and yeah. they seem to get it, you know, and, um, or at least want to, maybe they don't fully grasp mm -hmm grasp at all and I don't expect them to I don't think Dana expects expects them to either but they're they they want to learn and they want to listen and they want to share what they are learning with others their with their community their people yeah. and yeah. adding adding to the chat series we were we kind of touched on this with a with a few people and we just so happened to come across a post a recent post um Frederick Joseph. If you don't know him, you got to look him up. He is amazing. Frederick T. Joseph on Twitter, I think. But um, 
He's on Facebook as well. And Insta- but he, no, Instagram. Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. Yes. I'm, really, I'm uh, really terrible with Instagram. I, I, I need to be better. Because everyone I talk to, we all included, it's like, oh, we did this on Instagram. And I just... Yeah, you need to get together, at it. Linda. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you need to get to the left. Yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, I just, I know I need to step it up. Because there's so many things, I don't know how they do it. Right. Like the stories. Things, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he posted this meme or something that he had written, just a little paragraph. And he says, far too many white people have turned this moment into their white guilt campaign. Yeah. Still centering themselves. Platform, support, and uplift Black people. That's it. Yep. Which speaks to our chat series, because I feel like that's what, that's what they're doing. Yes. Yes. You've got to amplify Black voices. Right. Don't make it about, that's what I mean by the check-ins, where it's about yep. your guilt. Do, mm-hmm. do work. Be quiet right. and just do the work. Um, we don't really, we don't, You've got to remove yourself from the center. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, do you remember which episode, Dana? He was in episode oh, yeah. 50. Yeah, he was in 57. episode 57. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, Linda, and I think you answered the question. I was going to ask you, what do you think white people need to do to keep this thing going? They... Well, it's sort of, I was saying they need to keep this go. They need, they to, keep need to keep it going. Yes. They need to keep it going. They, um, there's a lot of, so, so these, these people and places that are reaching out to black folks to teach them, mm-hmm. um, then pay them if they're going to yes. do that. Uh, yes. yeah. so if they're going to do that, pay them. Um, if you're an educator, do not look to your students to teach you. Yes. Um, do not do that. Your students are there to learn. That's what they're paying for, whether it's their money or their energy or their time. Do not turn to the only black person in the room to teach you. Yes. Um, Google is free. Google is available. Um, so for instance, for me, if there's a black person that actively says, I want to assist, cool, take them up on it. But otherwise, leave them alone. Yes. Okay. You have to leave them alone, read some books, and then go read some more books, and then go read some more books, and then read books about those books. Yes. And that's what you do. And you keep this up. You keep going outside, and you keep marching, and you keep lobbying. Yes. Do not do a hashtag. Do not. If you're, you know, who's that guy? Jeff Bezos. Amazon cares about black lives and says black lives matter. Do they though? If, I mean, I, right. if I checked your practices for your employees and your factory workers weren't that great. And that's where the black lives are. And mm-hmm. I'm a consumer of Amazon. I do, but it's just, it's something mm-hmm. I'm concerned about because mm-hmm. in what way do black lives matter, Jeff? Because yes. you have, you have black lives there. That's as, as your customer, I would like to see how you make Black Lives Matter. So for all yes. the corporate companies, how are you making Black Lives Matter? My, you know, small business, white woman owned spin studio has, for me as a, per, as a black woman and a professional scholar of this, have been at the forefront of how to do this right. 
where they, so talking about Instagram, the owner, the founder, the owner and the um, staff regularly have statements, um, fundraising. They explain that everything that we're paying for now as clients goes directly to XYZ foundations. Mm -hmm. um, they feature other people, other mm -hmm. black people on Instagram. So I'm mm -hmm. like, why, why is this small business that's, I don't even, maybe they're 10 years old. I'm not even sure. Um, and they're doing this in a, in economic depression. Yes. Where I've been with that studio for a few years. I, their majority of their customers are white. So I'm sure they had to lose a handful of customers because the language they've used is strong. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mince words. It's right. Said, she even says, if I go to it right now, we, I, as a white woman and other, other white uh, employees need to step back and be silent and support other small. So we're, you know, located in Boston. So she um, highlights other local black businesses. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the kind of stuff we were talking yes. about earlier about use your spotlight and shed it on others. Yes, absolutely. And they're doing that and they're a small business. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, right. Exactly. So I'm like, if she can do that, then why can't these you know, Fortune 500 companies. All y'all can do it. All right, y'all can exactly. do it. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, this is heavy. I love <laughs> it. I <Okay>. love it. <laughs> so, yeah. with that said, Linda, where can people find you? Me, I am bad at this. So, it's sort of with Instagram. I have a website and I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram, not as much as I should be. Because I just, it seems like it's a lot of work. You know, your website for. your website is amazing though like if you, you it's it's yeah it's great and so, her writing is phenomenal yeah yeah Thanks. so my website is where you can find you know how to contact me and my writing and and i believe it it should have my social media links that's what uh -huh. i meant by um i still need to work on it because i'm not I don't keep up the website as much as I should. Like I need to have my CV there as well. But um, if you go to my website, lindachaversrights.com, it's um, everything is there for you to contact me. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yes, people, please uh, look her up, read her stuff. She's phenomenal. So thank you so much again linda for talking yes. with us and we hope that you'll come back and chat with us again and debrief on all of the stuff that's going on <laughs> happening yeah exactly thank you i yeah. hope so too i love i love everything that you guys are doing so um, thank you thank you see. given what we were talking about earlier it's just the fact that you guys exist and are doing this is so important and y'all know why it's important Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank it's you. so, it means so much to hear that. So we appreciate that. Yeah. That said, you stay safe and healthy. Yeah. Um, there's also a pandemic going on. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a lot of people have canceled COVID, but yeah, because we're right. going on too. Right. But yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that said, yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, and um, we will yeah. talk with you soon. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Myelin Melanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube.
And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.